This first Sunday in Advent, the Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for, for you to wake from sleep. For sal salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mountain of Olives, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we said, this uh, is the first Sunday in Advent, and it's the beginning of this new year in the life of the church. And we enjoy a lot of things about this season. We enjoy the, the beautiful decorations. Uh, we'll be um, decorating the church here for Advent on December 3rd. I forgot to mention, there's a sign-up sheet out in the hallway if you want to help decorate. Uh, they're going to put up a beautiful tree here, uh, as we do in our homes, most of us. And uh, there'll be pretty chrismans on the tree. And those chrismans tell the story, tell wonderful things and truths about Christ and about our salvation from sin. And we have the Advent wreath here in the chancel. It marks, um, it helps us mark our way through the season. The first candle that we've lit here is called the Hope Candle because this is a season of hope and joy and light. Today we light that first candle and we think about the light of the season. We have this contrast between darkness and light. Advent is a season of light but it is a time when we think about the darkness that is in the world, the darkness that is in our own hearts and how we too need a Savior. Our Old Testament readings during Lent are from the prophet Isaiah, and he has some bitter words for both the northern kingdom of Israel and for the southern kingdom of Judah. But even as he warns the nation that God's judgment is coming in the form of exile into Babylon, he also brings them God's word of hope. Hope for a remnant of the people to return, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. Hope in the steadfast love that God has for his people. And hope for the world, Isaiah says, as he predicts the incarnation of the Son of God, of Jesus, as a virgin conceives and bears a son, the very Son of God for the salvation of the world. So there's a lot of uh, condemnation in Isaiah for the people, a lot of judgment, but a lot of hope also. We're told that Isaiah had a vision. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And, and Isaiah describes what he sees. And part of what he describes is about this mountain, the mountain of the house of the Lord, that is going to be the greatest mountain. And mountains in the Old Testament are places where people meet God or gods. So you have a lot of description of the high places that the Israelites built, which are abominations in the sight of God, because there in the high places, on the hills, on the mountains, they're worshiping other deities, worshiping idols. And those need to be torn down. We see that over and over again in the Old Testament. Other countries, other uh, nations have their high places. And if our God beats your God in battle, then our mountain is higher than your mountain. That's kind of the context of what Isaiah talks about here as he talks about the mountain of the Lord, of the house of the Lord, will be the highest of the mountains because no God is as high as Yahweh. 
the highest of the mountains with nations and peoples streaming to it. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Now, as Isaiah preaches imminent destruction, the, the nation of Assyria coming against them in battle, that they're going to be exiled into Babylon, etc. As, as Isaiah is speaking all of this, well, these words, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the, of the Lord, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. That may, it just sounds like crazy talk. Why are we talking about that? Why aren't we talking about getting ready for the Assyrians to come? Talking about a glorious future of hope and peace when the army is marching against us. And maybe that's why Isaiah's prophecies go virtually unheeded. The people do not repent of their idolatry and their wickedness. And sadly, Israel is overrun, carried off, and soon Judah as well. And it seems that Isaiah's vision of the mountain of the Lord being lifted up, it just isn't going to come to be. And yet, 700 years later, after the prophet Isaiah, we see in our New Testament reading that this very prophecy is coming to pass. God's mountain, Mount Zion, will be the highest mountain because of what Jesus, the Christ, is going to do there. He'll make sacrifice for all the sins of all the people, not just for the sins of the Jews, but sins for uh, sacrifice for the sins of the world. Because just as Isaiah called for Israel to repent, so too the Advent season is a time when we are called to repent, a time to reflect on our sin and on our need for a Savior. Israel's exile into Babylon is just a foretaste of the exile that our sin has earned unless it is removed from us, unless it is forgiven. Advent is a time when we might look over the past year kind of coming to the end of the year anyway, and we, we a lot of times will reflect on the year, what worked, what didn't work, what are the good things, what are the bad things. It's a time when we can reflect and look over the past year and consider the ways, as we confessed this morning, that we have sinned against God. A lot of times we say in our thoughts, words, and deeds, how have we sinned against God? And as we think about that, we, we have to recognize that we sin in our thoughts when we covet what is not ours, or when we despise our loved ones or our neighbor in our heart, or when we lust in our flesh. Lots of ways that we sin in our thoughts. We sin when we use words, words that hurt or harm, and sometimes we know just the right words to say, to wound somebody. We sin in our deeds as we act in an unkind way or when we fail to act, when we're not as generous maybe as we should be with our time or our money or our forgiveness for someone who has wronged us. Indeed, we do sin in our thoughts, words, and deeds. And as we consider 
our corrupted flesh and our, our many offenses, we might wonder, are we worthy to have the King of Kings, the King of Glory, come to us? And we said this first candle is the hope candle. And it's fitting that we begin the Advent season with this candle because Advent is about hope. Hope for sinners like us. On August 5th in 2010, there was a, uh, an explosion and a cave-in in a mine in Chile. This mine had been in operation for a hundred years. And it was determined by the uh, supervisors there that there were still 33 people underground. They had either been killed or they were stranded somewhere 2,000 feet below the surface. Access tunnels and escape routes had been buried under 770,000 tons of rock and dirt. And they surmised that if any survivors had made it to the shelter in the mine, there'd be a shelter on each level, well, the supplies of air and food and water would run out after two days. Still dozens of relatives staked out what they named Camp Hope near the mouth of the mine hoping beyond hope that the miners would be found alive, that rescue efforts would begin and would be able to get to them in time. Offers of equipment and rescue teams poured in from around the world and work began. It took them 17 days to drill a four and a half inch hole down to the bottom of the mine and break into the cavern where the survivors were. And it was discovered that all 33 of the men had survived and were there. They had waited in the dark day after day. Some had begun to lose hope. You can imagine why. With no electricity or very little, they used some car batteries to make some light sometimes. One cookie a day. That might depend on how big the cookie was, I guess a limited supply of both oxygen and dirty water, who could blame them if they lost hope? I was thinking about this. If you sit in the dark and you don't know the passage of time very well, how long would 17 days feel? They had waited for over two weeks, often in utter darkness, not even knowing if help would come. So with this hole drilled, water, food, and medicine, and air, of course, were passed down to the miners. But it was determined that a small rescue shaft, just large enough to fit a person, would take four months to drill. Notes were passed up and down, scrawled on paper. That was the only means of communication between the men and their families. Mario Gomez, age 63, one of the miners, wrote this. Even if we have to wait months to communicate, and he meant in person there, I want to tell everyone that I'm good and we'll surely come out okay. Patience and faith. God is great. 
and the help of my God is going to make it possible to leave this mine alive. On day 69, after two months, over two months, at the bottom of the mine, the men were one by one drawn up through that narrow shaft to the surface. All of them survived. These men had experienced what they described as a living hell. There had been no means of escape for them. Their only hope was to be rescued from above. And this is the same hope that you and I have here in Advent. The sure and certain hope of rescue from the darkness and guilt of our sin that would bury us in a living hell had not rescue come to us from above. Because he loved us, God sent his son to make a way for us by defeating Satan and sin and death. Trapped beneath the crushing load of our sin in the kingdom of darkness, destined for death and condemnation, God did not abandon us, but sent his only son. On Calvary's hill, God established his camp hope. And there Christ took our place under that crushing load of sin. He died the death that we deserved, and he burst forth from the tomb victorious on Easter morning. And in this victory, God has established his mountain as the highest of the mountains. Here in the death and resur resurrection of Jesus is the power to save us from a living and eternal hell. In a few weeks, we're going to greet the infant Christ child and marvel at the peaceful manger scene, the gentle lowing of the animals, the soft candlelight and the aromatic hay, the shepherds kneeling close to see the wonder that the angels had revealed to them, and we'll rehearse again the story of our rescue and celebrate the love that saved us, love demonstrated at the cross. And even as we contemplate Jesus' coming at Christmas, we also anticipate with great hope and joy his second coming. That's also part of Advent. His coming in the clouds with great glory and honor to draw us up holy and blameless to bring us from this world into the new creation to spend eternity with him in joy and light. But there is another coming of Jesus that we dare not miss in this season. And this is the coming that we celebrate each Sunday of the church year. Jesus comes to us today as surely as he did in the manger on Christmas or at Golgotha on the cross. He comes to us in his word. He comes to us in with and under the bread and the wine of communion. He comes to us as we gather together in his name as he promised, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. God has not left us as orphans. He has provided his Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. 
He has provided his word to be a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He has provided the body and blood of his son for the forgiveness of our sins and to strengthen our faith. Isaiah says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Christ came to us humbly, leaving his glory behind, taking on our flesh, taking on our sin. And on Palm Sunday, he rode on a beast of burden, but a few days later, he would bear the burden, the burden of our sin to the cross. The crowds who accompanied Jesus into Jerusalem shouted Hosanna to the son of David. They hailed him as their king. But the crowds in Jerusalem ask, who is this? And it's our work today as Christians, as part of the Christian church, to answer that question. Who is Jesus? Well, this is Jesus who gave his life for you. This is Jesus who rose from the dead, never to die again. This is Jesus whose return we await in joyful anticipation of the great day of our own resurrection. This is Jesus who brings hope to the helpless. And so today we light the hope candle because we who were in deep darkness and destined for death now have the sure and certain hope of life and light in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we join with Isaiah and with God's people of all times and places saying, Come, let us go to, up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. There is no better place to be than right here, receiving God's gifts, giving God our thanks and praise for Christ our Savior. To him be all glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>